What's going on, everyone? I'm Paul from Boulder High Podcast, and in this week's episode, I interview University of Denver midfielder Jack Hanna. From the end of his high school career to where he is now, Jack was able to climb the ladder from being an under-recruited player to now being one of the top midfielders in the country. Jack was a first-team All-American in 2020 and hopes to continue that fire he ignited this past season into 2021 with a Denver team that can be a very serious contender on Memorial Day weekend. Jack and I talked about some of his favorite times playing lacrosse, what it was like when he first stepped on campus at Denver, and a whole lot more. Make sure to go give Jack a follow on Instagram at jackhanna13. I had a great time recording with Jack. He's a super nice guy, and from what he told me, he sounds like he's a pretty good Warzone player too. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and let's get right into it. Jack Hanna, the Denver Pio and first team All-American. Jack, how we doing, man? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. Where are you right now? Are you home? Yes, I'm home in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, Milford, Ohio, really, but right next to Cincinnati, Ohio, small town, but yeah. Um, when did you get back home from uh, college? Uh, for Thanksgiving. I was able to make it home. Uh, big Thanksgiving with my family. Small group kind of gathering there. Just my household family. That's good. That's good. Are you a big uh, Thanksgiving meal type of guy? Yes, I definitely put myself in a turkey coma. I, uh, I'm big on eating food. I like to do that a lot. And uh, 100%, my mom made a killer turkey this year. So me and my, my, I have three brothers. So me and my three brothers scarfed it down. That's good. How, how many pounds was it? Was it a nice uh, like 15 or 16 pound turkey? Yeah, I think it was like 17. Jeez. But, yeah. So it's smaller than normal. Yeah, it's smaller than normal. Those Hanna boys are eating well. What about uh, sides? You big like stuffing, mashed potatoes guy? Uh, I'm huge. I'm on mashed potatoes over stuffing. I used to not like stuffing at all. And I've actually recently started to get on to the stuffing. I kind of do like stuffing now. My mom makes a little bit different stuffing than my grandma does. So like when my mom makes it, I like it a little bit. But I don't know. I'm not huge on stuffing, but I'm big on mashed potatoes with my with my turkey. Obviously gravy. Have you? Uh, do you guys have anything else? Do you guys do like mac and cheese or cornbread for Thanksgiving? Uh, no, we just keep it, keep it simple, meat, mashed potatoes, stuffing, maybe a little bit of vegetables somewhere, but for the most part, collard just... greens, stuff like that. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, I tried making mac and cheese from scratch for my family for Thanksgiving. Turns out it's a lot harder than it actually than like <laughs> making it from a box. It turned out, everyone said it was good, but they were just trying to be nice to me. It was like super like crusty and it wasn't like wasn't it just really wasn't good there was no flavor it was just like eating dried dried pasta with cheese on it not not so you gotta bust out the Velveeta then man that's the good stuff it's all good Velveeta ah no I was trying to I was trying to make it original I was trying to make it original (laughs) that's the good play though man but like also once you get it down like you're gonna have some sweet mac and cheese you're gonna mess it up a couple times 100% I mean it's it's it's, yeah exactly yeah yeah. Food is an art, probably because your mom, your mom's probably made turkey a hundred times, so that's why she's probably got it down. Why she's got to cook turkey. It's all exactly. about it's, it's like practice, practice in lacrosse. So yeah, 100%. So um, you've been keeping up with any new TV shows? Maybe watching any new movies since uh, COVID hit? Um, I watch. I recently watched season seven of Blacklist on Netflix. Um, I watched. It's a, like a crime show. It's about it's kind of, it's a it's a it's a it's like seven seasons, pretty long episodes and stuff. But I've been into it for a while. It's like it's like FBI, CIA kind of stuff, like uh, kind of like like underworld, dark world criminals that they go and catch and stuff. It's kind of a cool plot line. I like it a lot. 
I won't throw out any spoilers, but I, I like it a lot. It's a really good show. Um, other than that, still just binge The Office all the time, but I think everyone does that. Yeah, uh, I'm guilty of that too. I got into the, I started watching a lot of HBO TV, so like all of their TV shows. So I first started off with Entourage. Great show. I highly recommend that. It's about like four guys from. I've seen Entourage. Entourage. I've seen Entourage, yeah. I don't have HBO here at my house, but some of my buddies out in Denver have it, so I've seen it. I've seen uh, most of it for sure. I, it's a hilarious show. Very good show. And then after I finished uh, Entourage, I hit The Sopranos. That was a great show. I really liked that one. Mm-hmm. And then right now I'm in the middle of Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. So HBO's got some pretty good TV, so I'm very, very excited. I got to go. After, after I finish that, I might do Game of Thrones. I don't know. I tried watching a couple episodes in the beginning of quarantine couldn't really get into it so maybe if i want really? to see i've done similar similar actions i got uh i took a little heat around my house because my whole family were watching it together mm-hmm. um and we were watching game of thrones like as a unit and we started from season one my older brother had already seen it with his college roommates mm-hmm. so we were all watching it together and it was like like this big thing and we got like three seasons in and an nhl 20 came out so i started grinding <laughs> nhl 20 in the basement <laughs> And then like I got I was like, I gotta get my ultimate team right. And like my mom, my mom's like, come up and watch. I was like, I'll just catch up. And then eventually they took off for me. So like I, I'm still stuck on like season three. It is a really good show, I'll give you that. Like, but it's also like something you gotta like watch with a friend, I guess. I don't know. But just to, like so you can like talk about it and stuff. But I started trying to catch back up to my family, but they were like a whole season ahead of me. So I was just like, my ultimate team's really good though. So that's, <laughs> that's good. Funny. That's what um, yeah. that's what happened to me. I got the my parents were watching a bunch. Of, so the couple of new TV shows on Netflix came out. It was like Queen's Gambit, and there was another HBO. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and then like The Undoing came out on HBO. So my fam, all my family was watching that. And the new Call of Duty dropped last month, and I was like, I'll see you guys later. So I, yeah. I missed I missed every single TV night with the family because I was yeah. trying to unlock First Prestige for the new Call of Duty. So we're in the yeah, same absolutely. boat. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack, let's start off with a couple of basic questions. Where are you from originally? Uh, Milford, Ohio. I grew up here, lived here my whole life. You a, um, you a big uh, Browns fan? Cleveland sports fan? No. Cleveland sports fan? No, 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 we're down south. I'm Cincinnati. Bengals. Oh, Cincinnati. Oh, Bengals. Oh, yep. Bengals right next to Cincinnati. No, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah. I, honestly, I'm not like a huge, like, um, I'm starting to become more of a Bengals fan. I think partially it's because I just like Joe Burrow a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of a bandwagon, but it's also the Bengals, so I can do it. It's not a freaking bandwagon, you know. But, uh, like, I was always a huge Ohio State fan growing up, so I was a big Ohio State football fan. Um, my grandfather was a dean at Ohio State, mm-hmm. so we had season tickets when I was, like, five until he passed away when I was you know, in high school. But So I ripped high state games all the time growing up and it was always a blast i got to go to like two or three games in the shoe and he had pretty solid tickets um it was so i was always a huge Ohio state football fan still am always will be who are some of your favorite athletes either from ohio state or um professional growing up uh i always loved well troy smith was when i was really young was a quarterback at ohio state and then i liked braxton miller a lot obviously um those were like two of the guys that I was like, or at least those are the guys I kind of like, I don't know. I would go out, like, I don't know. When I was real young, like me and my brothers were young, like, yell Troy Smith, throw football around the backyard, stuff like that. But that was when we were younger, obviously. 
And then when Braxton Miller came around, I remember when he hit that spin move and everyone was always practicing their spin moves for like a whole six months just because Braxton Miller cooked like three guys with one spin move. So I would say those are probably my my top top couple. Once I've gotten older, once I got into college, like I still am a huge Ohio State football fan, but I also just don't I mean they're like the same age as me. So like mm-hmm. it's not as much as me like idolizing like them, but you know, at the same time, like, I'm still rooting for him, right? And there's, you know, obviously they're still really good football for players. Sure. Uh, I was surprised you didn't say Ocho Cinco for, since you were a Bengals fan. Uh, that's true, too. Yeah, Bengals-wise, Ocho Cinco was probably the one guy that made me a Bengals fan when I was younger. With him, you know, putting footballs after a, a touchdown with the end zone uh, pylon, that was always a good one. His sallies were amazing. Uh, what was the uh, was it him or Terrell Owens who like took the phone? He put their phone like at the end of the the football goalpost, and when he scored a touchdown, he'd like call people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember that. I forget. It, I honestly, I bet I think it was Terrell Owens that did that. I do remember when Chad Johnson he was big on keeping sharpies in his sock, oh, and then he would like he, yeah, he'd sign the ball, throw it in the stands, or he also like had a dollar on him, and he always tried like bribe the refs like a single dollar in like his like pocket or something. That guy is nuts. I still like. I, he's a great Twitter follow. I know. I, I follow. Yeah. I follow on Twitter too. It's one of my one of my few fo- Twitter follows for football. Him, him, and Eli Manning because I'm a big Giants. Eli Manning's hilarious on Twitter too. He's always like, he's always posting like these uh these sandwiches he's getting from these delis, and he's always shouting them out. He's always rating them. So that's also yeah. that's a good that's a good guy to uh, see on Twitter too. I might have to hop on the Eli Manning bandwagon then. Eli's the goat, baby. People keep on sleeping. I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't think I don't think he could deny it. I think there's a pretty good chance he goes to the Hall of Fame. Hundred percent for sure. All right. So when did you first start getting into lacrosse? Um, when I was really young, so I was probably five, maybe six. Um, I got into lacrosse because my cousin, who is a lot older than I am, he's like thirty mid thirty, like a mid to lower thirties. I actually don't know exactly how old he is, but um, he played at Denver when like back in the day right when they started becoming a d1 team and everything so i always would go to his games when they played at ohio state and things like that so you know whenever he came by the house for thanksgivings and things like that we'd always throw in the backyard so that's how i really got into lacrosse and then from there you know just played from i think on my first actual team i played on was like fourth grade and i just played from there on and i just loved it you know uh did you play for any uh, club teams when you were growing up yeah, I played for the Cincinnati Royals here in Cincinnati, which is now not – I don't think they're a program anymore. They, they like, molded with a different team and kind of combined. Um, but that was, like, the only club. Oh, yeah, and I also played for Stickstar out of Texas when I was a senior in high school, but I didn't play for them for too many years. I played for them for a couple tournaments, but um, that's actually how I originally got recruited to Denver. So. Yeah. Who uh, – did you have any lacrosse players when you were growing up that you liked to play uh, – that you liked to watch? Yeah, first off, Mark Matthews. I loved Mark and Mark Matthews. You know, he had me trying to do toe drags and all my well, every game I ever played when I was in high school and things like that. Right? I love Mark Matthews. Obviously, the pals and things like that. Um, I don't know. I watched a lot of people. I'd say Lyle Thompson was a huge one for me too. Just the Thompson brothers as a whole. They made me really enjoy the game with how creative the sport of lacrosse can be. Right? You know, things like that. Um, I remember when I was in I was in seventh grade. It was seventh or eighth grade, and the Thompson brothers came to Cincinnati to do a camp. And uh, I got so we it was like 200 kids there or something like that. And then at the end of the camp, Lyle Thompson gave away his stick that he set the NCAA point record with. So, like, 
sweet stick, right? Like I would yeah. today, I would still freaking fangirl over having that stick. But like he, uh, he's like, we're doing a competition to give the stick away. We got like so pretty much the competition that Lyle came up with is just start at the top of the box. Everyone throws the ball on the goal. If you miss, you're out, and you just keep backing up ten yards. Last guy surviving wins. And we're playing on like a crap grass field. So like it's getting sketchy when you get deep, right? Because you're getting yeah. bounces left and right off the off the crappy grass. And like I was in the last two when I was in like seventh grade, and I was a real little guy when I was in seventh grade. So I'm hucking the ball as hard as I can. I throw one dead center. Last two guys, I feel great about it. Bounces, takes a hard left. Oh. I miss the cage. And then the next kid's up. He he like sails one like way to the right. And I'm like I'm good. He gets an amazing bounce, dribbles into the goal. He wins the stick. It was brutal. Still one of the worst oh. memories of my life. I know the guy that has it, and I found the stick and stuff, but um, yeah. So I think Lyle Thompson, you know, Mark Matthews, guys like that were always some of my favorite. Are you a lefty or are you a righty? I'm a righty, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, because when you first said Mark Matthews, I thought I was – because I saw you – I saw, like, some highlights of you. I thought you were a righty, and then you said Mark Matthews, so I got a little mm. – I got a little confused by that. But, I mean, yeah. I, I, I say Matt Rambo's my favorite lacrosse player. He's a lefty, so I, I don't think mm-hmm. – I don't think that makes too much big of a difference. So, um, where did you play in high school? Milford High School, baby. Uh, and now, where do you play currently? University of Denver. Go Pies. So, yep. to, to incorporate the name of the podcast in the show, uh, Loda High, here are two questions I'd like to ask you. So, it's a two-part question. So, the first one is, what was one of your lows while playing lacrosse? It could be a missed pass, you lost a tough game maybe an embarrassing moment on the field field what do you think that would be for you um i would say my first time being able to play in a division one game uh, as my freshman year at denver and i didn't get really any minutes my freshman year at denver and we were playing cleveland state and i got in in the last you know we were up by a couple goals and i got in like real late like maybe a minute 20 maybe a minute 30 left and um i came onto the field right and I was, you know, running the offense, or whatever, and I got what I felt like was a good look, and I didn't realize it was on the field because I was so nervous, and you know, there's a bunch of people there. I was, you know, I, I was shaking, and I pulled one from like 18, and it was an absolute muffin, just like right into the goalie stick, up and out. I went down on transition. I think they ended up my maybe even scored. I think, but it was a muffin, and I remember going off the field, <laughs> Coach T, <laughs> just yelling at me. And he, he's like, I can't I give you one chance. He's like, and you blow it. And I was like, ah, is you know, it happens. You know, it happens to everyone. But it was that was probably that was a that was a tough moment. But I, you know, it helped. They didn't, send, they didn't send you back on. De- they didn't send you to go play defense uh, after that. I mean, I think I had to. I think I played the transition and then came off with the D mid. But uh, you know, uh, yeah, I definitely. It was. I, I think I, I I had to get down to the other side of the midline just to make sure they didn't get a transition goal. That's- I think they might have scored. All I remember is the I remember the shot because the goal was just boom. It was so easy, right in the stick. Could you have stepped down a little bit more, or do you think you should have just passed it off? Oh, I should have moved it a hundred percent. Yeah, there was, there was a guy right in front of me. Like I, I kind of shot off the screen, kind of whatever. I mean, it was damn near a pass. It was it was bad, but eh, what happens? What are you gonna you do? Know? You gotta you gotta live and learn. So now going from your your lows, what have been some of your highs while playing lacrosse? Could be a big win, crazy goal you had, maybe a six alley. Um, I think some of my highs were, well, one of them I think was even from my freshman year when I wasn't playing is when we had an OT winner against Towson. 
Colin Rutans, who graduated from Denver, but he he's uh he scored a sweet OT game winner. I remember storming the field, right? And that was a sweet moment. Um, you know, that was an absolute blast of a game, even though I, you know, I wasn't on the field at all, but it, it was that was such a cool moment to be a part of. Um, and then I would say, you know, other highs is just, you know, when I started to be able to play, you know, getting to be on the field versus Duke and things like that and getting to score goals against these teams I watched growing up, you know. That always feels good, you know. It's getting a little bit more neutral now. You know, I don't feel as, you know, all excited about it because it just feels normal now. But, you know, definitely the first couple of times you get to step on the field against uh, some big time teams and and get to compete, you know, rank games and things like that. Like that's always awesome to do, and it feels amazing. So, does it ever like occur to you, like when you first got when you first got to Denver, like when you suited up for a game and you're playing like a big either Big East opponent or you're going out of conference, maybe like a Notre Dame or a Duke game that you're like, wow, I'm going to be playing against one of these teams that, like, I watched on TV as a kid. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely crosses your head, but, you know, um, you know that always kind of crosses through me, at, you know, until until your first dodge or whatever, until the game starts, you know, and you always get butterflies. It doesn't matter who you are. I, I think everyone should get a little bit of butterflies if you're excited enough to go play. So, you know, you feel good before the game. You know, you might think about things like that. At least I used to. I don't really do that anymore anymore. I mean, not, not much this past year, you know, my sophomore year when I started playing um, good minutes, I uh, I definitely, you know, thought about that stuff before the game. But once you get into the game, you know, you look down, I got Denver on my chest. I watch Denver play too. You make, you know, feel proud about having that across my chest when I'm playing. So, you know, that all kind of evens things out. Once you're in the game, you're in the game, you're locked in. Yeah. Game time. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you're 100% right. Like, mm-hmm. even though you're playing against Duke, like you're playing for the University of Denver, you're still top, top 10 team in the country. So you got to, Hand each other both almost like mutual respect in a, in a way. Five, top five. Yeah, top five, top five. My bad. Um, so here's a little bit of a zinger question. So you get off a huge win, you beat you beat the number one team in the case of hypothetical, but it also probably could happen. Come off a huge win, OT winner, uh, beat the number one team in the country. What's the first uh, What's the first song that comes in the locker room for the post game locker room hype in the Denver locker room? That's a tough question. Here's, uh, it depends. He, so we didn't have any locker room time in the fall. So like, I don't have a current answer, right? Because we didn't have any, we couldn't yeah. go in the locker room this fall. I don't know who's on Ox. Our Ox man's not here anymore. Our, our Ox guy graduated. So this guy? year, uh, Alec Barnes was Ox guy for a while. Skylar Blair, you know, Nate Williams sometimes. We, it mixes up, but we have some guys that are definitely prominent guys. You know, their lockers are a little bit closer to our Oxford in the locker room. So um, I would say, first off, it depends on who's in there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. I could see Time Room Bullseye, which is, I don't know if you know what that is. I know but that song. I yeah, know that song. Yeah, good stuff. I could see that coming on. I mean, it would probably be something ridiculous, to be honest. We'd probably turn some ridiculous song with the, you know, giant beat drop or something that's, kind of funny makes everyone laugh but everyone gets excited about it you know do you know the song heads will roll yeah 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 i can see something like that turn on for sure here let me look at my let me see the playlist let me check my phone i, I bet we have some that would come to mind i could see some like <sighs> uh, 2019 i would better be, be something around the around the like the house genre Cause that, you know, everyone yeah. likes that, you know? Yeah. Like a big, you got to get a huge beat yeah. drop and it can't be like, like you ever heard of rainbow styling. Yes. I love that song. That song's crazy. Rainbow styling. Colin Squires likes that song a lot. 
I, I could see Rainbow Stylin or something along those lines coming on. I don't know. It, it, it would be. I, I don't think we would have exactly like one song, but it would. Uh, it would be an intense one for sure. Probably would be my guess. Because then, because you gotta get the because mo- it's all about the build up to the mosh pit. Yeah, I can see us doing Nickelback too. We're pretty big on Nickelback. I'm not lying. Nickelback. We love Nickelback. Okay. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's Nickelback. a little bit of a zinger, zinger question, and that's a zinger answer. So I like that. Yeah, so, I'll, that's the final answer. Lock me in, Nickelback. Okay. Nickelback at the post-game locker room hype for the University of Denver. Wouldn't, wouldn't have expected it, but it's a good – I like that. So, uh, go, going into your high school days, so what was your recruiting landscape like, and uh, why'd you tend to, end, why did you end up using, uh, choosing Denver? Well, I was very under-recruited. I mean, I guess you could say that, but I also was just a really late grower. So, I was still getting recruited at the time and place when a lot of guys were committing as, like, freshmen in high school. But when I was like a freshman in high school, I was like 5'1", like 120 pounds. I was like a real late grower. So I didn't really hit my growth spurt until about halfway through my sophomore year of high school plus. So I was about, I don't know. I went like freshman year, I was like 5'2", not very athletic, you know, but I had some I had good stick skills and things like that. My freshman year, I grew a couple of inches. But then I shot up to about six feet my junior year, but I was real skinny. But my junior year is definitely when I got good. Um, you know, I had some attitude changes and things like that with my coach and things like that. I had, you know, I was, you know, you're a high school, everyone's stupid. So I was a little full of myself, things like that. But uh, yeah, so I, I had to say my junior year, I kicked things on and that summer I got some attention and, and I was, ever, you know, really able to kind of draw some eyes. And I was, I was getting recruited by a lot of like, uh, kind of like, not, not like low tier, but like smaller D1 schools. Right, not not the power like schools like you know your Dukes and things like that. But Denver was like my really only like top like ranked school that really approached me to um, to come there. So that was part of my reason I just chose Denver, and also part of the reason I chose Denver is because I you know I want to I wanted to go somewhere where I knew I could win games, and whether I was step on the field or not, I was like I know you know I'm gonna work hard enough to where if I don't step on the field for two years, I'll step on the field in three years. You know, so I'll, you know, I'll work my tail off to play, but I want to go to a school with a phenomenal winning culture and you know Denver was just coming off um a national championship um so you know like th- that those are huge parts of it I want to go play for what I believe is the best coaching staff in the country yeah. um between coach C coach Brown you know um those two guys and obviously all of our other coaches as well um with coach Gallant and then um coach Adamson and then coach Orson was there when I was a freshman as well he was our D coordinator um but you know I just knew the coaching the program and the culture and then obviously my cousin played at Denver too. So I've always been a Denver fan growing up as well. So all those were kind of factors that kind of played into it. Did you ever think about, you know, stay, trying to stay at home in Ohio, maybe go play at OSU, if you had the option to go play at OSU or Cleveland yeah. State? I definitely considered it. And uh, neither of those schools really offered me. So I, I approached Cleveland State and I approached Ohio State. I went to their prospect camps and things like that, um, you know, I would, at the time, I would love to go play Ohio State. I was a Ohio State football fan growing up all the time, things like that. Um, you know, I, I definitely really wanted that was part of my recruiting plan. Is I, I want to, you know, go play in Ohio. Like, that'd be awesome. And, you know, neither of the schools just didn't want to recruit me. So, that's, that's fine with me. I ended up in Denver, and I'm happy about it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, when you arrived at the scene at Denver, you're a freshman. Uh, you know, you had a heavy, heavy senior class, heavy junior class that was already at University of Denver. Um, you didn't really get a lot of playing time. Was that maybe because of just a lot of upperclassmen above you, or maybe it was like a physical, maybe uh, 
because of your physical and mental capab- uh, uh, abilities? I think it was a little bit of both. So um, I did come from a, like not exactly obviously a hot spot of lacrosse. So when I got to Denver, I was absolutely shell-shocked by the speed of the game, right? I remember my first captain's practice and being like, this is the fastest lacrosse I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I can you know barely keep up with what's going on. Now, like we had our captain's practice to end of this last season when COVID hit and we had to all go home, but we had one more practice. Like when that happened, I was like, this is so slow. It feels like molasses now when we're in captain's practices. But I remember when I got here, as a fre- when I got to Denver as a freshman, I was absolutely shell-shocked. The game was moving at a million miles per hour in my head, which is a huge problem. You know, you got to be able to see what's going on and relax and slow things down, which comes with time and age and maturity and just, you know, playing at a fast pace for a long time. So that was kind of something that I think held me back a little bit. And then also my freshman year, I had some problems with my back. So I was in a back brace for about eight weeks halfway through the fall. I had to, had to call it and uh, I recovered towards the end of the winter. Right. So that was tough as a freshman, you know, try to earn your spot. You takes, takes a while to earn your spot as a freshman, right? You really got to prove yourself. So, you know, that being in account, me being in a back brace, and I came slow out of that back brace in my mind. Um, you know, I was just a scout team guy pretty much for the rest of the year. And that's just how it worked out. I mean, I really wasn't playing back at the hundred percent until we were probably three games in, which, you know, unless someone is screwing up in the first couple lines pretty bad, right. You're probably not gonna get that opportunity. You just gotta keep working and getting better. So, you know, I did my best on scout team to help the team I could, um, you know, the best way I could, trying to simulate what other guys were doing. And I think that really honestly helped me a huge amount in the long term, right? Going against the top D guys in our team every single day, you know, and just, and just you know, honestly just getting the crap beat out of me by guys like, you know, Dylan Gaines, Dylan, John- Dylan Johnson, who are both phenomenal poles. Um, so playing against those guys for a whole freshman year, getting the crap beat out of me and just doing the best I could, even though I wasn't on the field, right? And which sucked. It still it hit me every day. I was like, I want to play, you know, but it just, it's just the way it worked out. But I, I think oh, those are all kind of factors that played into it. Did you have any mentors or anyone you looked up to or guys that helped you that were uh, upperclassmen when you were freshmen? I mean, absolutely. There's like a million guys you could name, right? I, I think my freshman year, um, you know, obviously Trevor Baptiste is there, right? That guy's a winner, you know, easy guy to look up to, obviously. That's the easy answer that a lot of people would expect, obviously. You know, I have an unbelievable amount of respect for Trev and everything he's done, and I, I will continue to look up to that guy, and, you know, and if I'm able to go play at the next level, like, he's a guy I'll talk to for sure on advice and things like that, and, you know, he's one of those guys that'll do that. And also, there's a lot of guys that not many people know about that, you know, who might have not been playing a ton. Guys like, his name's Grant Gravett, um, he was a senior when I was a freshman and that's like, you know, he was on my tail and he was one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen in my life. He didn't really play that much. You know, he wasn't like the greatest that really, he wasn't like the greatest athlete, wasn't the most unbelievable lacrosse player, but I've never seen someone work so hard and be such a good teammate. And he left a massive impact on me um, as a freshman. So he was probably one of the guys that, you know, he, 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 the things he does for, he did for the team. I don't even think he recognizes how much he's done for his team. Um, you know, I, I think at least for the guys that were around him, I think he sticks with everyone. At least I think he should be, you know, and he's, he's a guy that when I'm being a, trying to be a good teammate, right. Maybe whatever it is, I'm trying to be a good sideline guy, whatever, whatever the situation is, I kind of always kind of think back of what, what would Grant Gravett did because he was the best teammate I've ever been around. Um, so he, he was a guy that I definitely 110% looked up to. So going to your sophomore year after playing only one or two games your freshman year to 
being on the starting midfield line your sophomore year and playing every single game. What changed in your off-season routine to help you become the player you were your sophomore year? Um, well, I knew, well, first off, I went from about 185 pounds to about 200 plus. So I, you know, I put on a lot of, put on a lot of weight, but also I was, I'm also, I was still growing too. I, once again, I'm still a late grower. I mean, I think I grew an inch like last year too. Like I'm, you know, I can't even grow facial hair, man. Your stash like this right here, I've been growing this for like a month. This is so, a month and a half. I got to shave this thing. Yeah, you got me good, dude. Yeah, I can't, you know, I'm a, I'm a baby face. I have been my whole life. So my, you know, I, I hit a big weight gain, you know, that was part of me just eating a ton and working out a ton, things like that. Um, and then also I just came back with a bunch of confidence. I was like, screw it. You know, what, what's the worst case scenario? I sit on the bench again for a year or I just, you know, try to be the best player I can and just be as creative as I can, be as aggressive as I can, you know, and just learn from my mistakes. And that's what happened. You know, I made so many mistakes as a freshman in, in practice and in scout team and things like that, mm-hmm. that I just slowly was able to, you know, learn from every single mistake I made. And, I, you know, I've made a million mistakes. I've made maybe more mistakes and I have good plays. So, um, yeah, all that kind of just piled on. And, you know, obviously I was just, I wanted to play. So I was just putting as much work I could in the off season. I don't really think I changed too much about it. But, you know, I think if anything, it was probably the weight gain and athleticism I, I built up as well. How'd you put up all that? How'd you put up 20 pounds in like eight months? Eating. I like eating. I like eating. Yeah. I love food, man. I, you know, I would, I was crushing like probably, I don't know, maybe five, 6,000 calories a day working out pretty much every day. And then I would, you know, get shots up every single day if I could, you know, it was probably one of my hardest off seasons I've had. Um, definitely was sore all the time. Right. Didn't make that much money. Didn't really work that much. I just kind of grinded as much as I could. And, um, I'm glad I did paid off. I try to do the same thing every summer. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this is kind of going to be an all around question, but uh, who have been some of the toughest like opponents and players that you've played against in your college career so far? Mm -hmm. It's a hard question. I would say, I don't know if I want any direct opponents because I don't really know all the guys' names, to be honest. You could just know um, like, uh, teams, if you, you know, teams if you want. Teams, I would say tough teams to play against would be – I mean, this past season – I'll just go off this past season because this past season things got a little bit more difficult because I was more of a main focus for defenses than I was as a sophomore, right, because we still had, like, Colton Jackson around who was – you know, and Teddy Sullivan as well, who'd been playing more than I had. So a lot of teams were focusing on them more. So I was still getting the shorty and things like that my sophomore year. Um, but this past year, um, I would say the toughest games were probably North Carolina um, and then probably Notre Dame. I don't want to give that to Notre Dame, but I'll give it to them too. But they, you know, they came out and they were sliding hard, right? I got hit a bunch that game, so... Um, and I had, I had, uh, one goal where I got flipped up in my head and that was a tough one. And I was killing me for the whole game. But, um, I, I'd say Notre Dame was tough cause I was just banged up. They were staying tight, sliding hard, um, really kind of beating the hell out of me, but you know, I got through it, but that was a tough game. And then I would say the North Carolina game was really hard as well. Early in that game, I hurt my hand, got flipped up in a slide, got hit hard. Um, and you know, it, it, it kind of depends, you know, everyone plays a little bit differently. You know, you're feeling a little bit different every day. So every game feels difficult. Everyone's going to throw something different at you. Won't you figure it out, right? You get in your groove. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's what I, that was the past year. I'd say those two really gave me the most fits I felt like would be North Carolina and Notre Dame. 
who are some teams that you've like almost enjoyed playing ever uh each time you've played them i love playing well i love it's a love-hate relationship but i love and hate playing cleveland state the reason for that is cleveland state obviously new program still getting better every year um i know a lot of guys on the team and i have a ton of respect for ever, ever all those guys in that team because cleveland state you know they're not the biggest team they're not the most they don't get all the highest recruits in the country but those guys do go balls to the wall they go really hard and they make it tough on you, especially, you know, most of the time we go again, play against them. It is what it is. You know, we're expected to win the game, right? It's a hard game to go into when you're expected to win the game, right? And it's a team like that that you need that's going to come out and they're going to go full four quarters, you know, absolutely as hard as they can. And you got to match that intensity. Otherwise, you know, they're going to hang with you. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a really good team to play. I have a lot of friends on that team that, ton of respect for and, and I think Cleveland State's an awesome team to play against I think they're gonna be really good in a couple of years yeah for sure so I've always wanted to ask this question to a midfielder because I never really get the chance to but so you always hear about how like being a defender or being a goalie is always like a lot of a lot of the mental game there's a lot of mental game more than physical game involved in it same with like say x attack and but mm -hmm. what about being like a midfielder who's supposed to initiate the offense especially midfielders have a really tough time because they're always getting the fastest slides brought to them. They don't really have a lot of time to react. How, how much do you think playing the mid, like the midfield position that you do is as much a mental game as a, as it is a physical game? Yeah, well, I would say almost, you know, I, I, I say this past year, the, the quicker teams have started to slide to me. It's become much more of a mental game for me. You know, I've watched, I've started to watch way more film. Right, I work on a lot more things rather than just dodging, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, I got to learn how to control the slides better, things like that, and like not get myself stuck in double teams and understand where the defense is at and things like that. Um, so I think a lot of the mental game for me, at least, is it comes before the game, right? Um, kind of seeing what they're doing, seeing what I think they're going to do, see what they might try to do, who they might guard me with, things like that. Um, so that's all preparation that I would take in advance that to me is like a mental game. Um, you know, and I think it, honestly, it's it's mental for everywhere you go, right? And I think the easiest part is just if you have confidence, right? Then you just know that that preparation, right? That preparation helps you have confidence. So if I prepare for a game while I'm going into that game with a clear mind, understanding what's going on, understanding what they might try to throw at you, you know, what kind of options do they have that they've been throwing at guys that might play similar to me or things like that, right? Um, and then often, you know, sometimes I'll go into a game with preparation what I think is going to happen. Um, you know, or what my coaches might think were going to happen, and they might do something completely different, right? They might just throw something at you that you didn't see coming, so you got to be able to adjust in the fly and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's how I would say go. I, I don't really think that, you know there's a huge difference between you know midfield and attack to an extent. Like obviously your dodge and everything are different, um, but to me, you know, we're all six offensive players right, on the field at a time, right? Everyone's on the same page. Everyone can that has to be able to do a lot of stuff, right? Um, yeah, I'm comfortable for dodging from X. I think a lot of guys midfielders and things like that should be comfortable dodging from X. So, you know, I don't really think of myself as like a downhill midfield dodger, um, like, you know, a traditional guy. Like I, I try to be able to do everything I can on the offensive end and then also still be effective on the defensive end. So, you know, that used to be a lot more of a mental thing for me as a sophomore. Um, you know, getting stuck on defense is, you know, it's tough because I didn't get really many defensive reps in practice. Um, but now, you know, I, I gain confidence, things you get more comfortable and, you, you learn more and you understand the game better. So all that mental stuff, it, it takes place, but it, it's natural, you know? For sure. So I'm going to skip ahead to your junior year. You were named first team All-American. You had 27 points in six games. What do you think 
contributed to that to you having like one of one of these uh, a great a great season so far before it got cut short. Um, I would say honestly, just our our team as a whole, like my teammates and things, right? They trusted me to take shots. Um, you know, I had games where I was letting them fly early in the game and nothing was going. You know, and, and my teammates continued to trust me. They continued to feed me and things like that. And you know, I think you know I had a lot of assists, and I really didn't honestly. I didn't you know a lot of those assists came from one pass, one goal right away, quick, easy shots, you know, so um, things like that. I mean, you know, just trusting your teammates. And, you know, I played a bigger role in the offense this past year. Um, but, you know, that's just from gained experience, me working hard and things like that. Trust from the coaches, trust from your team. And, th- and it's just me just trying to go do my thing. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's a tough question, you know. Sorry about that, yeah. No, um, you're fine. Um, you know, after – COVID shut down the season uh, in 2020. Uh, what were some of your initial thoughts about that with your teammates? Well, initially I thought that I was absolutely shook because I was like, that's the last game I'm going to play with those, that group of seniors, you know, some of my best friends. Um, so I, that was that was everyone's initial thought, I think. You know, I was like, okay, my season's shut down. I don't need to worry about myself. I got another year. You know, this is before we found out we, we get another year of eligibility if we need to take it. Um, but like, just, just seeing my, the look on my senior's face when they were like, it's over, you know, like, and it happened so quick, you know, before the season got shut down, we were like, it was like a week before and we were like, oh my God, there's like one case of COVID in the United States. And they're like, dude, do you think our seasons get shut down? And we were all kind of like joking around about it. Like, no, probably not, man. Like, are you kidding me? And just within a week and a half, it was done. You know, it's happened so fast. Uh, it, it was crazy. It was like, I didn't, it didn't really hit me until I got home and my season was over, you know, yeah. I just, my initial thoughts were I felt awful for our seniors because I thought their careers were over in that manner, you know. Was it weird not playing lacrosse from March through May for like the first yeah. time in 15 years? Yeah, I haven't taken that much time off in a while. I mean, I kept the stick in my hands, obviously, and I would still go shoot. I was still working out and things like that. But mm-hmm. it was definitely a – it was a weird feeling to have that much time off. You know, and if you think about it, we're never normally away from you're in your four years of college. You're really never away from your trainers and the, and the strength staff for that long. Right. So I think the hardest part of being off for that long is staying in shape to be able to play at a high level. Right. You know, it, I mean, it's easy to work out and things like that, but there's a there's an environment you can't simulate really, especially during COVID times. Right. Because you can't really go to gyms with large groups of people and simulate like a team activity. Yeah. So I think just staying in, in shape and continue to improve and get better while, you know, you may not have access to a field. We might not have access to, to a weight room and things like that. I and mean, I was lifting my garage for like five months. So things like that, you know, that, I think that was the hardest part. And I think, you know, coming back this fall, it was definitely evident early that even though guys were, it's not like anyone wasn't trying, it's just hard to stay in shape that you would, you would be able to stay in when you have a, you know, people that are paid to keep you in shape, you know, strength conditioning staff. Tim Murray so at Denver. Off, yeah, that bounces me off to my next question. Like, how did you stay in shape during the, the entire quarantine period? I was just working out in my garage, man. You know, trying to do footwork stuff in my backyard. There was a field I could get on occasionally. I'd like jump a fence with a bucket of balls and go get go get shots on at my old high school. Um, but it, yeah, I was that was all it was. You know, I was go run as much as I could. You know, you could still go run, obviously. Um, I would. I got. I'm fortunate to have some weights in my garage. We had like a sketchy, we like built a bench and stuff. So like, you know, we kind of made a sketchy gym that we kind of threw together, had a bullet barn and things like that. I did as much as I could. Um, 
So, I mean, that was, I, I, yeah, I mean, he just did everything he could, just try between getting shots in, getting lifts in and running and things like that. Were you ever frustrated at times that, like, you oh, yeah. happened with your teammates, your lift, like, what am I doing lifting in my garage with, like, 10-pound dumbbells and stuff like that? Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it was definitely frustrating, right? But, you know, I think my initial thought when I got frustrated would just be, like, there's a lot of people right now that are having – way worse situation than I am, right? I'm I'm not going to sit here and complain about me not getting to play lacrosse in front of thousands of people and have the time of my life doing the game I love when, you know, there's people right now in this country that are struggling, you know, people on ICU beds and things like that that are, you know, family members or, or, or you know, dropping like flies for some people. So, um, you know, as much as I want to complain about not being able to play lacrosse, not be able to have fans in the stands or whatever it may be, or not be able to practice without a mask on and things like that, um, there's a lot worse stuff going on. So I have no complaints, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to college, I'm getting an education. I'm, you know, playing lacrosse where I love to play lacrosse and at the highest level, you know, so as much as it sucks, not much to complain about. For sure. So skipping forward a couple of months, let's say uh, like June, July of 2020, you get two new additions that are coming to uh, Denver. You have Yale's Jackson Morrill and Lucas Kotler. How mm-hmm. is playing fall ball with those guys that were, big contributors to Yale's 2018 national championship. It was, you know, it was, it was awesome. You know, I love, uh, I've did, you know, I've got to know him pretty well now. I was able to play with him. I didn't get to play with him the first like six weeks of fall ball. Cause the way we were set up, we were in like 10 man groups um, just to, you know, do our best to contain COVID and not have any outbreaks and things like that. So we we're doing a lot of small group work and that was the, the groups we were allowed to hang out in. Right. So if we had a positive case in one group, then that group would quarantine and the rest of the team could still be practicing on their own in small groups, right? So that was kind of our system. So originally they weren't in my small group. So I didn't really get to meet them that much. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I like seen them around and things like that, said hello to them. But I got to meet them the last three weeks or so when uh, um, we had 25 man groups for a while, Um, got to play with them, you know, and they're phenomenal players, right? They're smart, smart guys. Um, Obviously, you know, they're winners in my book. Obviously they're winners, you know, they know how to win a national championship. I've never won a national championship. So I'm trying to soak up as much as I can from them. Um, you know, and they pick their brains. Um, you know, Jackson's an unbelievable passer. You know, that guy can find me wherever I'm at in the field. It's kind of awesome. Um, and you know, I think he makes Ethan's job easier too. I think every, I think having Moral back there makes it makes everything everyone's life a little bit easier. Um, and you know, and that's awesome, right? Because now now I get more freedom. Now Ethan gets more freedom. Kotler's a great player. I think we're gonna be. I mean, we're stacked, right? We got a lot of guys that are are gonna be really good this this next year. So with them coming, does that almost help? Do you think it'll help ease like some of the pressure that you might have been probably getting if they didn't come? Since like you're gonna have this big target on your back as being you know, first team All American, best best finishers in the country. Now that these two guys come in, they're gonna almost help bring pressure from other side of the field. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we got threats all over the field, and we have got guys that no one knows about yet, or no one's heard about yet, that are all extremely skilled lacrosse players. Um, that may not be veterans yet or have not had that much time on the field, right? But we got those guys coming up. So we have threats all over the field as well as, you know, now people that, you know, guys that people know about between like me, Ethan, you know, Teddy, um, and Moral and Kotler and guys like that. Just the more threats you have on the field that people are worried about, the more it opens up for other people. And honestly, at this point, like there's so many threats in the field, um, you know, we just got to play good offense and we'll, we'll get good opportunities. I mean, there's – it's a crazy amount of skill on the field at all times. Definitely. So for my last question, 
uh, for this episode. What are you looking most forward to in your 2021 season? Um, just getting to play lacrosse, man, honestly. I just want to be able to play. I don't care if we get to play in front of fans. I just want to be in a game environment. I want to compete. Um, I love competition. I'm a very competitive person. So being able to get out in that field and go at it with people at, at you know, 120% is going to be awesome. And I'm looking forward to it every day. I think everyone else that plays lacrosse or any other sport probably say the exact same thing. It's been, it's been way too long, man. It's been, it's been tough for a lot of people, but it's coming soon coming soon so absolutely thanks so much jack for coming on the load of hide podcast really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to talk with us and tell us your story i uh, wish you happy holidays for 20 the rest of 2020 and looking forward to watch you play in uh peter barton stadium in 2021 appreciate it man thank you love what you guys are doing here love what you're doing here with the, the podcast uh you know i'll help you out in the future if we can get some other guys on i think this is awesome awesome i appreciate it man have a good day you too